All right. Okay. So uh, the recording started, so we can start. So just to recap from last week. Last week we finished with the whole discussion about non-Jews studying Torah and why that was relevant was because the non-Jews were saying that had they had the option, sorry, the Hashem asked them why didn't you keep the Shavu Mitzvahs B'nai Noach, and then we said that they were taken away from them, and the Gemara got into a conversation about, well, we know that if a non-Jew uh, studies Torah, he gets schar like a Kohen Gadol, and yada yada. Okay, yeah? Yes, there are some political implications of... Of what? Oh, yeah? Okay. <laughs> That's our next Thursday night Mishmar. Um, all right, so let's move on in the Gemara. So we are in the Gemara, uh, starting from Oymrim Hayvikechavim Lufnei Kadosh Baruch So if you're on Gimel Amud Aleph, it is. Uh, let me count the lines. Eight. It's uh, eleven lines from the from the top. So Oymrim. So the 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 are are in brackets. Oymrim Hayvikechavim Lufnei Kadosh Baruch So the non-Jews. Say in front of Hakadosh Baruch Hu, "B'bonu shalom." Yisrael shekiblua heichen kaimua. Okay, so you told us that there was a Kabbalah uh, Satora and they accepted all the mitzvahs, but how do we know that they kept them? Arbelam Hakadosh Baruch Hu, ani made b'hem shekaimua satayra kula. So Hashem says, "I testify." I'm the one who testifies. I say that they that that they kept kol satayra so the non-Jews r- respond. Is it possible to have a father who's able to testify with regards to to his son? Because the Yidden are considered to be the children of Hakadosh Baruch Hu, so therefore Hashem can't say aid the son. What? Yeah, that's true. Good point. Um, so there's an obvious question over here that when we think about the soul of Karov or of a Nogeya uh, Be'eda, somebody who's invalid to testify, usually there's a concern that the person may lie, right? There's what's called a Ikshash Mashaka, right? So if someone, so if 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 you know if someone um, has some sort of connection to the case or whatever it is. There's a concern that the person may not be honest. But we're talking about Hashem over here. So there obviously is no concern that Hashem is not going to be honest. So like, what's their claim? So the Maharal over here, he brings from the Gemara uh, in Baal that the Gemara in Baal actually says that there's a difference between two different types of Tzuli Eidos. There are two types of invalid testimony or, or uh, invalid witnesses. One is a psul karov, and the other is a is is a chash mishaker, is a nogeya bedavar, is somebody who has some kind of uh, connection to the case. So a karov is also to can't give edus zersakasov. It's a din Torah. It's not because we're concerned about lying or anything. There's a psul. It's a puzzle. It's a it's a zersakasov. And the Gemara over there says even Moshe and Aaron are puzzle edim. Because the, 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 the Gemara calls it a Xeris Melech. There's a, there's a Xeris Akasav and their possible. Um, so there's two questions on this. The first is that if we're going to be approaching this from within the laws of Eidos, so what kind of 
testimony was necessary over here. So if you're going to tell me it was necessary to have two witnesses, the real ironclad testimony in the Torah, Hashem is one witness. He's not two witnesses. So anyways, all we're talking about over here is Eidachad. So you'll tell me, okay, Eidachad works. Why? Because Eidachad namon be'isurim. We know that one witness is sufficient in the laws of Yisurim. So you go to somebody, you ask him if, if uh, this food is kosher. One witness is allowed to testify. However, if we're going, we didn't be didn't Echad. There's no such thing as a psaladus for an Echad. Right? One witness can have all the various psalim in the Torah. It could be your own son tells you what's kosher. It's mutter. So if it's Echad, Right, and we're going because we're saying over here, why, I, why, what was at stake? Did they or did they not keep the Torah? Which could be a question of Isser. There's also maybe, uh, maybe Mammon over there, but there's a question of Isser, or you know, maybe it's something just because you're, you're, you're trying to make a call or you want to know what the call is or whatever. So, this, so, so it's a, it's a witness of Eid Achad. So, so then Absolutus doesn't matter. And if it's two witnesses, Hashem is not two witnesses, so why didn't the Gemara just say you and what army, right? I mean, you you and who else? You have to have two witnesses. And we're going to see that, that this is really a problem throughout the whole Gemara, because the Gemara keeps bringing only one witness. So it's not clear to me what they're saying with the Psaladis over here of B'ni uh, B'chari the other question they ask is, okay, like if we're talking about that there really was a psalei, this whatever, as Benny said, this is clearly said in the Torah, that Av Kepi made al So what was HaKadosh Baruch Hu thinking when he uh, proposed that? He said, well, I'm made. And they're like, ah, it says in your Torah that you wrote that you can't do that. Oops. So there's a very interesting answer based on the Gemara and Sanhedrin. The Gemara says, so, sorry, Gemara in uh, Baal Basra on Dafyod, it says, Pizman Shenasu Ritzeno Shemakim Kruim Banim. That the, the Jews are only called the sons of the Kaddish Baruch Hu, Pizman Nasim, right? Only when they actually do what they're supposed to do. So here we have a very interesting Shiloh. By testifying that they did what they were supposed to do, Hashem is in fact invalidating his own testimony. Right from the meaning, if because once he's saying that they did what they were supposed to do, that says that they were bonim, and therefore he's posolados. However, if they did not know what they what they were supposed to do, then they weren't bonim. Then his edus on them would be kosher. So there's an interesting paradox over here. So yeah, so that's that, that's a that's another interesting point. Lumaisa, it sounds like that that Hashem accepted this taina, and really he was not kosholados. So what happens? Um, so the Gemara continues. At the heaven and earth will testify that they kept the Torah. Kula, sorry. Shekayman as Hatera They have Nagias. So over here we have this other type of psalm. The first psalm was a psalm of, of, of Karov, right? That was Av made Abno, that a father can testify for his child. For heaven and earth, it's a different psalm. It's a psalm of Nogea Bedav, right? Where there's a Kshash Meshachar. Hi, how are you? Where there's a Kshash Meshachar. So, so, why, so why are they, 
נוגעה בעדה שנאמר, אם לא יבריסי יומם ולילה חוקה שמיים וארץ לא יסמתי, דאמר רב שמן בן לוקש, מאי תכסיב הירא ואיבקר ימה שישי, מלמד שהסתה הקדוש ברוך הוא מייסם ברישס, ויאמר אם ישרור מקבל נס תירוסי מוטוב, ואם לאו אני אחזיר אסכם לטוי ובוי. So the entire survival and existence of heaven and earth was dependent on Yom HaShishi, the sixth day of, of, of Sivan. Sivan, see your name. Um, uh, so there's the Texas over here handles. Ayah was the seventh day of Sivan, according to some opinions. So the first day of the month didn't count because there was no deep or whatever. But it was talking about the existence of heaven and earth dependent on the giving of the Torah. So therefore, there they are nogeya beedas. They very much want the Jews to have kept the Torah. If not, they would cease to exist. So, so my dechsevay, sorry, right? So v'amarim Yisrael makabas taramuta v'imlav and yachzayt amtayev avayu. My dechsev, the Gemara brings another riot to this. Mishamayim hishmat din eretz. Yarev is shakta. So, so im yarev if the land was afraid, lama shakta. Why was it calm? Vim shakta. And if it was calm, lama yarev. Why was it afraid? Ella betchila yarev. Before the Jews accepted the Torah, was afraid. Ula besov shakta. And at the end, it was calm. Okay. So the Gemara says that the heaven and earth they were nogeim beedos because if the Jews accepted the Torah, good. If not, not. So Tosis over here has a kasha. Taisus has a kasha. Taisus says, forget having the heaven and earth as a testimony. From the fact that they exist, there's a raya that we kept the Torah. Because had we not kept the Torah, they wouldn't exist. So we don't require them to testify. Their very existence is a proof. If you want to see Taisus inside, Taisus says over here, it's Taisus at Devriya Maschal Noigim Beidusam, Bim Taimar Vahare Raya Gedoilo Shekaimu. We have a great proof that we still are alive. Sharei Shemayim ve'Eretz Kaimenheim, they're still around. V'yeshlomard ain't chosheshim bezuharaya. We can't rely on this proof. The ain't av made al benoy because a father does not testify on his child. So it's not really clear what Tzitzis is answering over here. I think that the basic understanding of Tzitzis is that the whole way that we know that if not for the Jews keeping the Torah, the world will disappear is only because Hashem said so in the Torah. So therefore, Midin Raya, it's only a Raya because there was a testimony said by God earlier that without the existence of a Torah, the world will disappear. So therefore, it's a proof that's based on an invalid testimony, right, on a on a invalid claim, which we can't deal with, so therefore, it's not a Raya. But could be there's a, there's a, there's a better approach, I'm not sure. Yeshlomar, so Tzitzis answers. So sorry, the old Yeshlomar, another Taretz. Sheim kaimin mimashe kiblu, kid the Amar em Yisrael mekabla. So here it's a very hard Tzitzis to understand. Tzitzis says the existence of heaven and earth does not depend on the continual, right, on the kind of continuous observance of the Torah. It, it, right, it said Yom Hashishi it depended on that one moment in time if they accepted the Torah if not so Taisvah seems to say that really the heaven and earth are clear they're, they're fine so if they're fine why are they right? why are they considered to be you know, invalid witnesses in addition 
we know from Hazinu and from Yeshaya and from other places, right? Hazinu but that Hashem fully intends to bring the heaven and earth as witnesses for the prosecution, which fits very well with the with the perspective that their soul aid us is because of Shash Meshaker that we're concerned, right, about them lying. So Shash Meshaker is only a soul if the person is testifying to his benefit. But if the person, if, if this witness who there's a concern about is testifying to their detriment, they're believed. So therefore, all those cases, Hashem wants to bring the heaven and earth as te- te- um, in order to condemn the Jewish people, right? In order to testify against the Jewish people, which before this typhus would hurt them. So therefore, they would be kosher edim. But what Taisvis is saying is that their Eidos, right now there should be no more Shash Meshaker, there should be no more concern because if everything depends on the Kabbalah, so what's like, well, what is left for them to be scared of? So I don't know, I tried to research this today and yesterday, I wasn't able to find an answer. If anybody has an answer to this, please share, uh, either now or later, um, because this, this Taisvis is very, is, is very mystifying to me. Fine. So the Gemara now trots out a whole new list of witnesses that the Jews behaved. So the Gemara says, okay, You guys are going to come out and testify on the Jews that they accepted the Torah. So Nimrod will come and testify that Avram did not keep Avodah so Yaakov, so, so Lavan will come and testify that Yaakov didn't steal. That he didn't uh, sleep with her. That, that, that he didn't bow down to his Salem. So all these various people are going to come and they're going to prove testimony. The glaring question in the Gemara is that Hashem said, these are people who will come and testify that they kept Kola But every single person is testifying A, about just one person, but not just that, about only one thing. Nimrod said Avram kept Avodazar. He didn't. He didn't serve. He didn't serve Avodazar. Kanani Mishal Vazarya didn't bow to salad. but maybe they ate. I don't know bacon. You know BLT sandwiches in the morning. We don't know. So all these different. So so each person is only testified to get about 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 one thing. So how can we infer from there that they kept Kol Aterakula? So I saw this before that say that each one of these people was tested in the area that was the hardest for them. In the Avera that would have been the easiest for them to do. For Daniel it was Tefillah, for Avram it was, it was uh, Avodah Zarah, for Hanani Mishal Vazara, it was that moment in time in Salaf, it was the greatest Nisayon that they ever faced. Well for Avram he had more coming, but I guess as far as, right. So, so it sounds like it could be in that moment, this was before Hashem appeared to him, he realized, really. 
right? So he kind of made this whole understanding of uh, one God, all these things, and now he's about to be burned for it. Sacrificing your son is not really mitzvah in the Torah. Sacrificing your son is not mitzvah in the Torah, exactly. Um, all right, it's upset. So, so he's saying, so, so all the other ones were not exactly, we're not mitzvah, sorry. How about going to Eretz Yisrael? Okay. Um, but, uh, but, uh, so, so, but not, but not, but even lech lecha. If you're going to Eretz Yisrael, you should know where you're going and what uh, awaits you there. So, so in all these things, they were tested in their weakest point. And therefore, from the fact that they were able to kind of stand and survive was a proof on everything else. That's what Barsham said. Okay, so now let's get to the most difficult one over here. Hananya, Mishal, Vazari. So before we, we get into Taisvis, I want to just read, uh, read a Gemara, a famous Gemara. The Gemara in Pesachim, where the Gemara is talking about the story of Hananya, Mishal, Vazari, the Gemara says, that, that there was a man whose name was Tor, uh, whose name was uh, Tudus Ishraimi. He was a uh, Roman guy, and, the Gemara, and he got a lot of respect. So the Gemara had a question: Why did so Ibayelahu? Tudus Ishraimi Gavaravahave was he a uh, respectable person, or Ibal a great from Have, or was he a bully? Was he somebody that people respected out of fear? So the Gemara brings uh, brings a proof to this. Tashma oidzu darash tudus tidus ishraimi tidus ishraimi darshan this ma ro chananim b'shal va'azariah shemasru atzmam al kedushas Hashem l'kibshan eish. What did chananim b'shal va'azariah see that they made the decision to sacrifice themselves uh, in in this in this furnace? Nasu kavachomer ba'atzmam me meatzfardim. So they made a kavachomer from the plague of frogs from the from the frogs. The frogs were commanded when Hashem talked about the plague that they will be found inside the oven, inside the doze, in all these you know, dangerous places. And the, and the frogs listened and went, even though they were not mitzvah al kiddush Hashem. Anu alachas kama We have a mitzvah al kiddush Hashem. We for sure have to go and sacrifice our lives. So the Gemara brings a, brings a proof from here that obviously Tudus was somebody who uh, knew uh, who knew his stuff. But Rashi over here says a very interesting thing. Ma what did they see? Meaning, what was the question that Hanani Mishal of Azaria had? Rashi in Psachim says, Ma ra'u darshu We know that there's a famous uh, You have to you have to do the mitzvahs and you are allowed to do avera right, if, if, if you're facing if you're facing death right. But we know that there are three exceptions to this rule: shvichas damim, and avaydazar, right. So. There's an obvious question: uh, murder, immorality, and avodazar. So Rashi is saying they should have darshaned b'chayvahem, but we know that them bowing to the tzalem is one of the exceptions to to b'chayvahem. So if so, what was their question? Why did they have to infer something from from the tzfar? So Taisus, what? So Taisus over here asks: Pirsha kontras ma roshloy darshu b'chayvahem. 
So Titus asks a, a little bit of a stronger question because it's really a machlekes in Sanhedrin if, if Avodazara goes into the big three or not. But everybody over there agrees that if it's being done in a public fashion, you have to sacrifice your life. You have to die Kiddush Hashem. So Frek Taisvis, they were being paraded up in front of all the Jewish people. Everybody was 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 bowing down. So it was clearly a case of Bifarhesia. Then Marshall over here tries to argue for some reason that it wasn't, but many people like the Khamsefer and others had a very hard time with that. They said, What do you mean? The entire Jewish people were there, and as we'll see later from Gemara Megillah, this is pretty obvious that they were. So so how are they so how were they allowed to do it? So the first answer is the Pirish Rabbeinu Tav, which, which our text is also going to mention. Did Selim Zesh also the Bukhanetzar laugh about the Zara Havi? It was not about the Zara. That the Bukhanetzar did not want them to worship idols. Ella in Ella Indratash also the covered Asma. It was a sculpture, it was a statue, it was something which he made for his own honor. And he basically wanted everybody to bow to it. To show fealty to him, to show that they that, uh, that they serve the Bukhanetzar, but not in the spirit of um, um, of Avodazar. So now there's a question. He's putting up this statue. Technically speaking, there's nothing wrong with bowing down to it. So Hanani, Mishal, Vazaria were faced with the question: Should they bow down? Now we'll see the why not in a second. So they so this is what they asked. Umaro. So Taisvah says, Umaro So, so Taisvah says that oh so Taisvah actually actually doesn't explain. Taisvah just says that this was what they were trying to get from the Sfardim, from the from the Sfardim, sorry, from the Sfardim, Apologize. Um that right uh, in order for them to die al Kiddush Hashem. So the Mukhi Yasef in Sanhedrin follows the opinion of Rabbeinu Tam, that, that and, so, and, and, and so does the Rajba there, that it was Nevodazara. So he asked the question, if so, why was it even permissible for them to sacrifice their lives al Kiddush Hashem? And he says that, that it's Mutter, that they were concerned, and we'll see that, that this was likely true, that they knew the Halacha. They knew that there's a subtle uh, distinction between a Avodazara, which is real Avodazara, and something which, which is just put up for his honor. But not all the Jews knew that. So many of the Jews thought that they were actually worshiping idols. And therefore they wanted to make a statement for all the Jewish people that this is something which is completely inappropriate and asar, right? Meaning, given that you think it's Avodazara, right, this is asar. And therefore they, they were making a statement that even something that looks like Avodazara and it's a Shemitzah of Odazara, we have to be really, really careful about. So, and, and, they, and this falls under the rubric according to the, according to the book of Yosef of someone who's Makadashim Shemayim in order to help Klai Yisrael. And this is Mutter to do. And he says, this is what they learned from the, from the, from the, from the Tzvardim. And there was no Tzvardeya who was individually obligated to go into the, into the, into the bread. But since, since in general there needed to be this thing done by the Tzfardim, there were those that went, I'll, I'll pick it up with, with uh, Mr. Snafish, and you can ask, they're animals, they're not here, okay. But they learned this, this lesson 
that somebody has to make a statement. So this was so so this was their statement. I'm a little mixed up here. King says, hey, put your sack here up there. Yeah. Okay. Where's bread come from? Okay. So the king got up and said, everybody has to bow down to my to my likeness. Everyone has to like my Facebook post. Yeah. Exactly. Now, okay. They're not equivalent. I wasn't trying to. Um, please like my Facebook post. Um, but so so he put up he put up a he put up he he put up a salam of himself. Tesis's opinion was that technically la halacha there was nothing forbidden in bowing down to it because it was considered to be an act of fealty to him. Now Hanani Mishalva Azaria they were concerned and they understood that many according to this approach that many Jews thought that they were serving idols. So they said, but where do we learn from? Where do we have a source that we have a right to sacrifice our lives for Kiddush Hashem, even in a case where it's not obligated, where it's not where it's not incumbent on us? So they this they look to the story of Makas Fardeya, right? The story with the frogs in Egypt, and the frogs in Egypt there were those frogs that went into the fires and into the pans and into the bread. And they got baked into the bread, and this was a act of of, of self-sacrifice that these individuals, you know, frogs did not have to do. So from there they derived this this principle. What? So the tzfardim begadol, I think, were told that that's what they would do, but the individual tzfardim who took it upon themselves to do it, and again. Well, what, what we're learning from here is that this was a value, because these were the only frogs, according to the Medrash, which ended up uh, surviving, and they survived Makas, Makas, Makas Fridaya, even though all the other frogs died. And this was clearly seen, and this idea was shown that there is a value and there's an importance of going and, be, and, and being Makadashim uh, Shemayim, even in the case where you are not personally obligated to. So the only frogs which survived the plague were those frogs that chose to go inside the 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 ovens. According to the Rebbe. So, so this is what they said. So the Taisvus right over here disagrees with with Rabbi Tam. He says no, no, no. This was clearly Avodazara, and they had an obligation. They had an obligation to die. So. What did they learn from the from the tzfardim? Because the pasuk says that before they went, they told the Bukhanetzar, "Look, we're going to go, and we believe in Hashem, and we'll see what you can do to us." Meaning, they were relying on a miracle. So, what? No, no, we're talking over here now about about Hanani Mishal Bazar. So they had to rely on a different miracle. So, how, what right? So, what right did they have to tell Nebuchadnezzar that there would be some miracle? Because this is what they learned from the Tzfardim. From the Tzfardim, they learned that people who go on Kedush Hashem, obviously, they had to have you know we know plenty of people who went and didn't survive, right? But they were able to derive from, uh, from this story, from these circumstances, that they were able to be to be Somakalanes. That's the view of the of the of the Taisus Rit. And however, the final opinion in Taisfis is that is the opinion of the Re. The Re says that no, no, no. It was real Avaydazara. They should have died, but they had the option to escape. They could have escaped, and uh, Daniel actually ran away. 
they could have escaped as well. They chose not to, and they took a stand. And this is what they derived from the from the from the Sfardim, that they should take a stand. The Gemara Megillah over here <laughs> frames the story in a very very difficult way. The Gemara says, right, famous question, Shal, right, as we're getting close to Purim, it's right, it's right, Tu B'Shvat. Shal, Tamid, Asav, Shem, Barichai, Yupnei, Man, Eschaivu, Seneim, Shal, Yisrael, Sheba, Isadar, Klia. Why were the enemies of the Jews, which is a euphemism for the Jews, why were they Chayv and Klia? Meaning, why did the Jews deserve to be eradicated by Haman? Amr, Lehem, he said to them, Amru, Atem, you tell me. Amrulai, so they had two approaches. One, the first was that they benefited from the Suda of that Rasha. So, okay, but which Jews went to the meal of Akashverosh? Only the Jews in Shushan. So, let them wipe out the Jews in Shushan. Why was it Nigzar on all the Jews in the entire world? Amrulai Amarata, you say, Amrulahem, Mipnesha Hishtachavu Litzela. So, 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 because they bow to the Tselem, what Tselem? So Rashi over here says, Hishtachavu Litzelem. Where's Rashi? Sorry, one second. Um. I saw this before. Yeah. That they bow down to the Tselem of Nebuchadnezzar. So the reason why they were Chayav Misa, the whole generation, was because they bowed to the to the, to the Tselem of Nebuchadnezzar. So there's a bunch of difficult questions on this, right? According to Taisvis, according to Rabbi Nutan, technically it was mutter for them to do it. They were they were allowed to do it, right? So why so why should they be high clear for that? So you can say maybe it's talking about the Tselem of Haman and Haman made himself and made himself into a into a Avaidazara, but Pasha is talking about the Tselem of Akashverish. So according to Rabbeinu uh, Tam, it's hard to understand why they're Chayv Nisa. According to Rashi Lishitaso and all those other Rishayne that they were that, that this was. Real, 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 real by the Zara. So the halacha is, if let's say somebody is put under threat of death and they violate the Avera. The Rambam writes, and Hilchus, uh, I forget where exactly, the Rambam writes that if someone violates on something which is Yag Valyavar, he has a Din Aynas. He still has a Din Aynas. Meaning to say, he's potter. Right? So if let's say you see somebody being offered, I don't know, something which is uncontroversially Avaidazara, and you give two Adam and Asra, you know you have to give yourself up, and they bow down because they're under threat of death. They have a dinainus. So if they have a dinainus, why would they have clear for that? And honestly, if they gave themselves to death, then they would have been, you know, uh, wiped out then. So I think you, you could answer this with a very interesting approach from the Chassam Seifer. The Chassam uh, Seifer himself says, why did most of the Jews bow down 
and why the Chananim B'shal of Azariah have to have to have to learn from the frogs. So if you remember, there was a Gemara in Shabbos. The Gemara in Shabbos said, that that the Jews always had a big excuse, a justification, not to keep the Torah. What was their justification? Because Hashem was Hashem lifted the mountain and threatened to destroy them. So we so we, we so we discussed this a few weeks ago, and we brought a kasha from the Rajba that the, that the Rajba asks, "What do you mean? We know that the Jews suffered terribly throughout their whole time in Eretz Yisrael, because in Egypt as well, but also but by, uh, but also in Eretz Yisrael from not keeping the Torah, right? Right when they served the Tsar in Eretz Yisrael, this nation attacked them, that nation attacked them, and eventually the right the base Hamikdash was." Destroyed because they because they didn't keep the Torah. Why were they punished? They had an excuse. They had a reason. So the so the Rajba answered that until the story of Purim, the Torah was intimately connected with Eretz Yisrael. That when they accepted the land of Israel, connected to that was the obligation to observe the Torah. So even though the Torah in and, in and of itself they had a excuse, but since they went and they took and they took the land of Israel, the Torah says numerous times as a condition for having the land of Israel, you have to you have to keep the Torah, and because they violated the Torah, they were eventually kicked out. But now they're sitting in Galus. So Zaktach Sam Seifer, Chanani so Chanani Nazaria. They said, "My daughter, Rabbi Raisa. They had a justification to serve a desire in Galus. They no longer had the Torah. They were no longer bound by it. They were no longer living in Eretz Yisrael. My daughter, Rabbi And that's really what all the Jews could have said, and probably did say. So if so, so so they said no." That we still want the Torah, even though we, we we have this, we have this justification, and that was their self-sacrifice. That's what they took from the frogs, and they were they were mekadeshim shemayim by saying that we are keeping the Torah. The Chassam Sefer writes, he says, why were the Jews high of Klia? Because by the time of the story of Achashverosh, and as evidenced in the story of the Bukhanetzar, they no longer wanted to go back to Eretz Yisrael. They said, we're done. We were in Israel, we had a good run, we were there for close to a thousand years, now we're done, we're done with this, we're done with the Torah, we're done with everything, we don't want to go back. And this is what, this is the whole story of Purim, the whole story of Purim, Mordechai does the, he does the exact same thing, right? He doesn't bow to Haman. Why doesn't everyone else bow to Haman? Why doesn't he bow to Haman? He had a tzalem, he had everything, right? But the entire story of Purim, them going to the meal, everything, was about the Jews forgetting about the fact that they wanted to go back to Eretz Yisrael. What is the culmination of the story of Purim? Kimu v'kiblu ha-Yehuda. As the Jews accepted the Torah, as the Gemara and Shabbat says, in a way that they no longer had this modah. That they accepted the Torah in a way that they were going to be forever bound to it. So that's what the, that's what, a, what what I believe the Gemara Megillah means by 
that by bowing down to the Tzalem, it wasn't really an Aveir. The bowing down to the Tzalem was a rejection of their Jewish identity. It was a rejection of the fact that they still intended to remain Jews and go back to Eretz Yisrael and build a Beis HaMikdash and live that life. So therefore it's possible that even according to Taisvis, when they bowed down to the king, when they bowed down to the, to the statue, some thought it was Avaidazar, even if they didn't think it was Avaidazar. It was a complete and total acceptance of the fact that they were now subjects, culturally, in every possible way, of the Bukhanetza. And it was a rejection of their identity, of their, of their, of their desire and goal to be Jewish and go back to Eretz Yisrael. And the story of Purim was about recapturing that and bringing us back to the point where A, we are now accepting the Torah no matter what, under all circumstances, no matter where we are, and also as the first step in going back to Eretz Yisrael. Alright, we'll stop here. I believe it's time. Um, and we will continue next week, I mentioned.